Hey, good morning, everyone. Great to see you. Welcome to New Life Patterson. My name is Jeremy, and I'm the campus pastor here for this location. Thank you for worshiping with us. I love uh, just hearing the voices coming back uh, towards the stage. You know, in in larger settings, uh, those are hard to hear, but in smaller settings like this, I know our worship leaders that come, that's one of the things they brag about. They love uh, coming to the Patterson campus because they can hear the worship coming back. So thank you. Thank you for engaging in that way because I know that that honors uh, the Lord. Hey, as you came in, you received one of these uh, programs. If you'll look on the front of that, that's some, some of the things we have coming up here at the campus. And then on the back of that, you'll see our message notes. We're going to get into that uh, later on, but we want to cover just a few things uh, this morning. We'll uh, just pray for uh, Pastor Tito. He is, he is really sick. He's been sick since about Tuesday or Wednesday and uh, just can't shake it. And so I came in this morning and, and unlocked the building and I said, get out of here. Don't be getting nobody else sick, okay? So uh, he went to go pick up some meds, and so we're just praying for Pastor Tito that he gets uh, better quickly. Uh, but he did want me to announce that if you have a middle school student that is still interested in going to our Sugar Pine Winter Camp, there's still room. And don't let uh, finances be uh, a hindrance. So if you want your middle school student to go, but you're, you're, you're in a financial situation where you just can't afford it, we've actually had some scholarship money come in for some of those students. So don't be uh, afraid. Don't be too prideful to reach out or come up to see myself or Pastor Tito and say, hey, I have a middle school student that really needs to go, really needs to be there, and we will make it happen. Okay. So uh, that's coming up. There's still space for that. Also, when you came in, you received one of these communion elements. We're going to be doing that at the end of service. So you don't have to open those up uh, quite yet. But these are new. If you notice, if you haven't been here, uh, if you weren't here for the last month when we did communion, you can see that we did, uh, we're gone, we've gone a little bit different direction with our communion elements. So we always tell people, don't open the juice side first. <laughs> because when you tilt it over to get your wafer, you're going to have a mess. So, okay. So wait until we get to that and we uh, will go through that together. Okay. Uh, and then uh, also the Intercept uh, conference that we have coming up. We did this last year and it was a huge success. And we're going to do this again this year. This is a one day conference uh, that's going to be at the Turlock campus. It's going to be on Saturday, March the 11th. And it's to bring awareness to the human trafficking issue that we have in our community. Those of you that may follow or Stanislaus Sheriff or Jeff Dirksey uh, may have seen that uh, just last week there was a big major bust of human trafficking in our state. It was a statewide uh, concerted effort from uh, San Diego all the way to Northern California. And just in our county alone, there were dozens of people arrested and some even rescued uh, in our county alone. And that's one of those things where you look on the news and you think that doesn't happen here. And it is. I-5 is a major corridor going all the way down uh, from Seattle all the way down to San Diego, and there's a lot of human trafficking that happens in our area. Uh, for kids, adults, it doesn't matter, prostitution, pimping, things like that is happening in our own backyard. And so this is an amazing uh, day of getting together to see what organizations are partnering together to help uh, get rid of human trafficking to the best of our ability here in our area. So that's open to anyone and it's free. So we just encourage you uh, to make plans on attending that. It's super informative and it gives us kind of some things to watch for and how we as a church, how as New Life has come alongside uh, the Sheriff's Department and some of these other organizations to say we want to do our part 
uh, to help get rid of this and, and minimize this to, 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 to the best of our ability. So um, that's on uh, Saturday, March the 11th. So put that on your calendars. Also, if you're here for the very first time, we just want to welcome you. Uh, again, uh, as I said, my name is Jeremy. We have a gift for you. So please don't leave until we uh, give this gift to you. Uh, it's a coffee mug. It's got our logo on it. That is our gift to you for, for checking us out here at New Life. So as you leave, go out those doors and turn left. You'll see our little welcome center there. Grab one of those coffee mugs. It's got some information about our, our campus on the inside of that as well. But that is just a little gift for, from us to you to say uh, thanks for checking us out. And also, if you're here visiting with us today and you do not have a home church, then we want to say to you, welcome home. All right. Well, um, the last thing I wanted to talk about is our baptisms. We've had several people come up and say, uh, I want to be water baptized. When this, when's the next uh, baptism uh, happening here? And it is happening on Sunday, March the 5th. Sunday, March the 5th, okay? And our class for baptisms will be the Sunday before on Sunday, February the 26th. So the class is on the 26th. Actual baptisms are going to be on the 5th. And I think right now we have about four or five people that want to be water baptized. So the link is live. If you go on to the app or if you go to the website, or maybe you'll even see it on social media. If you follow New Life Patterson on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see the link live there. So just click on that link and get signed up uh, for the class and for baptisms. It's going to be another great day of celebrating people who are taking their next step in their journey of following Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. I never say that a whole lot, but uh, there you go for that one. Okay. Uh, go ahead and open up your Bibles. We're going to be, uh, if you brought those Bibles with you, if you brought your physical Bible, if not, then we're going to have the scripture behind us on the screen as much as possible. Some of them are a little lengthy today. So you'll see where it just says, see, see Matthew or see Ephesians or see Philippians or whatever. Uh, you can just write that down and you can go visit that later. But th if this is your first time here or you haven't been with us over the last few weeks, uh, we began this series a few weeks ago called, uh, titled Becoming Like Jesus. Now, just to clear up any confusion, I want to make sure that, I, that I'm very clear about this title. It's not Becoming Jesus, all right? We can't do that. It's Becoming Like Jesus. In other words, what does it mean for us to pursue Jesus so intentionally that our life begins to look like the one that he modeled for us when he was on earth? to truly reflect the image of Christ in everything that we do, to live out our mission statement here that we have on our wall, to love people one step closer to Jesus and be enabled by the Holy Spirit to, in everything that we do, in everything that we say, to make sure that it communicates that we have died to ourselves, and that we are living the life that Christ designed and created and meant for us to live. And the only way that we can do that is if we truly and fully push ourselves aside and say, not my way, God, but your way. We read the scripture last week. It's my, it's, I love this scripture, especially out of the message translation, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him. I love that phrase. And learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Love like Jesus loved. Treat people the way that Jesus treated them. Stand up and speak truth, but with grace the way that Jesus did. 
Forgive like Jesus forgave. Serve like Jesus served. Give the way Jesus gave, and so on. So week one, we started by asking some questions like, who am I? Where did I come from? How did I get here? Which then led to some other questions like, what's my purpose? Or where am I going in the life after this one? And then we began looking at some of the attributes and some of the characteristics of Jesus to see if our lives are aligning with his. We looked at how Jesus lived a fully surrendered life and then asked ourselves, what area of my life have I not fully surrendered? Where in my life am I not being fully obedient? What are some of those things that I'm holding on to instead of truly giving and surrendering over to Jesus for total control? And then last week, we discovered the intentional life of Jesus, that everything that he did, he did with intentionality. He did for a reason. He did for a purpose, the way that he taught and the things that he taught, the places that he visited, the people he healed, the conversations that he had, his public moments with the crowd and his private moments with the Father. They were all intentional. We discussed three ways that Jesus was intentional and how we can use those as lessons to be intentional in our own personal lives. They included being intentional in reading through scripture, being intentional in connecting in community with people outside of Sunday afternoons or Sunday mornings, being intentional with connecting with the Father. So hopefully this week you had a chance to kind of put some of these into practice or create some discipline in these habits in your life. So today we're going to talk about what it means to be wise like Jesus, pursuing godly wisdom and how we can use godly wisdom in our everyday lives and in everything that we do. Because whether you're single or you're married, whether you're an adult, whether you're a student, whether you're male or female, every one of us could use a little more wisdom in our lives, right? I don't think any of us can say, you know what, Jeremy, I'm just not able to take in any more wisdom. I'm, I'm too smart as it is. If I gain any more knowledge, I'm just going, my head's going to just blow because I've got this whole thing figured out. None of us can say that. If you do feel that way, we have a prayer area over here at the end, and we want to meet with you after service. But first, what is wisdom? Everyday cultural wisdom is having knowledge and experience that often comes from trial and error. (laughs) We know that. Once you have somewhat of an understanding of something, maybe that you've gone through uh, or that you've learned from uh, because you've been persevering through certain challenges, that's usually when wisdom kicks into our lives. You've learned something from a specific experience. And the beautiful thing about that kind of wisdom is that we can pass that knowledge on to someone else who may need to hear it as well. Words of wisdom can be just the thing that gets us through our day, can can pep us up in the morning or help us to uh, get out of a situation or maybe even uh, abstain from a certain situation. As we get older, we're supposed to become wiser because of experience. And we've all heard those great wisdom quotes, which, by the way, this summer, we're actually doing an entire summer series on the book of Proverbs. And I'm really excited about that. So we're going to be breaking down a lot of King Solomon's uh, quotes of wisdom. But we've heard those funny quotes of wisdom, right? The one that says, uh, I'm sick of following my dreams. I'm going to find out where they're going and hook up with them later. All right. We've heard. Or this one, I love this one. Uh, Before you criticize someone, walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you're a mile away from them and you're criticizing them, you still have their shoes. Yeah. That's uh, Jack Handy from SNL back in the 80s. 
Then there's those good for your life wisdom quotes. Like you can't shine like a diamond if you're not willing to be cut like a diamond. Or this one, I've learned that even though I have pains, I don't have to be one. (laughs) Maya Angelou says that, I love that. And then there's those godly, there's that godly wisdom, that spiritual wisdom. And there's a difference between godly wisdom and that worldly wisdom, the cultural wisdom. Godly wisdom isn't so much obtained through trial and error, even though it can be, uh, or even through our experience. Godly wisdom comes from having an intentional and growing relationship with the Father. And these include some of the deeper wisdom sayings, like this one, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Or your own soul is nourished when you are kind, it is destroyed when you are cruel. Or this one, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit you choose. Or better the anger from a friend than a kiss from the enemy. Those are some great wisdom quotes, and all of those are from Scripture. All of those are from our Bible. The Bible is filled with wisdom, but two books in particular, uh, the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, are filled with wisdom sayings just like these that can resonate with us no matter where we are, no matter what season we are in our life. And some of these were actually lived out by Jesus. He constantly sought after wisdom in what he said and what he did because he always wanted to bring attention to the Father. He had a mission to fulfill, and he wanted to keep the attention on the Father and his kingdom. Some of the writers even wrote about the wisdom that Jesus was gaining as he was growing up. The writer Luke wrote this in Luke 2.40. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. And then 12 verses later, he wrote this, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. The writer Matthew wrote this in uh, Matthew 13, 54. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? People were noticing and people were paying attention to how wise Jesus was becoming. So what are some of those areas of being wise like Jesus that you and I can use right now in 2023 that we can use in our everyday life? What can we gain from the wisdom of Jesus in our careers, in leading our families, in our friends, in our decisions that we need to make today and decisions that we need to make for the future? Can we actually benefit from the wisdom of Jesus in the area of conflict, confrontation, Can we benefit from the wisdom of Jesus about anxiety and depression or addictions, codependency, about how we process through trauma or just hearing bad news? I believe Jesus and the scriptures gives us a good foundation for using this type of wisdom in nearly all of these areas, but we're just going to pin down a few of those today. Let me preface our points today by saying that all three of these are results of the inward transformation that occurs in our lives when we pursue Jesus and when we, when we pursue the wisdom of Jesus. So if you're taking notes, either on the back of your uh, paper or on your app, write this down for number one. Godly wisdom leads me to respond like Jesus. Leads me to respond like Jesus. First Peter chapter one, verses 22 and 23. He never sinned, talking about Jesus, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. 
Now, I know I'm the only one in here that's ever been falsely accused of something, right? No one in here, yeah, we've all been falsely accused of something, something you supposedly said, something you supposedly did. And taking the high road is very difficult sometimes, isn't it? All right, let's all, let's all be human here this morning. It's very hard sometimes. I know I've shared this before, but I've been confronted out in town. Maybe you've gone through something like this, either a text message or an email or social media or, or verbally face-to-face on something I supposedly said or something I did. One time I actually received a text message and I had to respond back, did you mean to send this to me? Because I have no idea what you're talking about. And things like that happen to us all the time. And we know that oftentimes the more attention that we draw, whether it's your business that's doing really well or, or a church that's growing, or even if you're uh, gaining favor or credibility in your community, the bigger target on your back, right? Your critic pool can grow very rapidly, can't it? Especially if you're doing some really good things. When you're really making a difference in your community or with, with your family. And it's funny how often your worst critics seem to be the one who's doing less than you are. It's never someone that's doing more than you are, having less of an impact that you, than you are in society. I mean, last week, we all knew how to tell Shanahan how to win the game from our living rooms, right? We knew how to tell Shanahan how, how the 49ers can win, but it didn't happen. If only he'd listened to us instead of that guy in his headset, maybe they would have won the game, Right? When we're not playing on the team, oftentimes we still feel like we're the ones to judge everything that they're doing wrong. And that can be in every area of your life. We're not playing on the team, but still something in us tells us that we need to be the ones that t- that's telling them what they're doing wrong. Let me give you an illustration. I, I, one of my mentors, when I, about 20 years ago, uh, the, the church that we were attending, we weren't staff on this church. It was in Tennessee. And uh, our pastor at the time was Pastor Eddie, Pastor Eddie Turner. And I remember one time being, uh, hanging out with him after church. And this guy right after church runs up to Pastor Eddie and says, Pastor Eddie, what do you, how do you feel about this other pastor in this community? And he said his name. Without hesitation, Without even batting an eye, he looked at the guy and he said, love him, great guy, amazing guy, wonderful church, doing amazing things in the community, and I hope him well. Completely diffused the guy, had nothing to say, turned around and walked off. And I remember Pastor Eddie turning around to me and saying, never allow somebody to give you the opportunity to talk badly about someone else because it'll always come back and bite you. I've carried that for 20 years, and guess what? It's a fact of life. The question is, when we're being criticized, when we're being squeezed, when we're being stretched, when we're being accused or confronted, how, we, how do we respond in a way that honors God? How do we respond in a way that communicates it's not about me, it's about me reflecting Jesus in me, in me and him? During the life of Jesus, most of the religious hierarchy hated Jesus. They were his worst critics, They didn't care that he was performing miracles or healing the sick or raising the dead, turning water into wine, causing blind people to see or lame people to walk. They didn't care. None of that mattered to them. They just wanted Jesus to stop it because they were, because he was making them look bad, claiming to be the Messiah, also fighting and speaking out against everything they stood for. He was interrupting their lifestyle and they hated him for it. 2023. 
Jesus is interrupting our lifestyles, and some of us hate him for it. That's a message for another day. But Jesus always responded well. He responded with wisdom to connect with those who were for him, and he responded with wisdom to those who opposed him. Sometimes he remained absolutely silent and never said a word, and other times (laughs) Jesus said plenty. Listen to how Jesus maintained integrity while handling his critics, to his critics. To set it up, Jesus had been harassed over and over by the religious leaders of the day. And this is one of those times where Jesus decided to speak up instead of being silent, just to teach a lesson to the crowds. He said this in Matthew chapter 23, verses 1, uh, 1 through, I think, 5 or 6. Then Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra long tassels, and they love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. He taught this lesson to the crowd right in front of his critics. (laughs) They were standing right there in the crowd, and he said things like this, which eventually is what got him killed. Because he also responded with such phrases as, the words I speak and the things I do are from the Father who sent me. Or when you look at me, you see the Father, and he called himself the I Am, which was a big no-no. But no matter how they reacted, he always responded with wisdom. In fact, most of his responses were actually questions. If you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll read that in most of his altercations, when his critics would demand answers from Jesus, he would respond by either turning it around and asking them a question that they couldn't answer, or they knew the answer and wouldn't give it because it would make them look bad. Because of the inward transformation that takes place in our lives in following Jesus, godly wisdom will lead you to respond like Jesus. When things are being said about you, when you feel as if you're being attacked, when you feel as if you're being confronted and you feel the need to lash out and defend yourself, take a step, take a breath, ask God for wisdom, and then respond. Proverbs 15, 1 and 2, a gentle response diffuses anger, but a sharp tongue kindles a temper fire. Knowledge flows like spring water from the wise. Fools are leaky faucets, dripping nonsense. God may direct you to remain silent and not say a word. Or he might prompt you to respond with truth and with boldness and with grace. When you come home from work and you're triggered by your spouse or your kids, pursue godly wisdom and respond well. When your boss Treat you unfairly, pursue godly wisdom, and respond well. When God begins to stretch you in challenging areas that are really uncomfortable in your life, pursue godly wisdom and respond well. When you have to handle conflict or difficult decisions, 
with either things or people in your life, when culture tries to drive your morals and your values in a direction that contradicts God and contradicts Scripture, pursue godly wisdom and respond well. Colossians 4, 5 through 6 says this, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. And that leads us to our feeling number two. Write this down for number two. Godly wisdom leads me to see like Jesus. It leads me to see like Jesus. In other words, godly wisdom allows us to see people and things the way that Jesus sees them. Godly wisdom allows me to have a more spiritual perspective. Because oftentimes in a moment or, or a situation when we need wisdom the most is when we have the tendency to make the worst decision because we're not thinking clearly. It's hard for us to see because our judgment is being clouded by our environment or by a cultural shift or even the urgency of the matter. And before we know it, we're making a spur-of-the-moment decision, a spur-of-the-moment choice without pursuing godly wisdom. But in that moment, having godly wisdom could be the key to your decision-making process. Look what the Apostle Paul said to the people in Ephesus, chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you what? Spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Translation, as you pursue and as you obey and as you follow Jesus, you're going to grow in wisdom. You're going to have a clearer focus. You're going to have a more true perspective and able to make those wise choices in your life. Because all of us, all of us have major life choices. Do I start this new business? Do I marry this person? Do I divorce this person? Do I sell my home? Do I move? Do I quit my job? Do I start a new career? Those are major life choices. And we can't go into those choices just haphazardly. We need to pursue godly wisdom. And as we're growing closer to Jesus every day, we'll have that wisdom of God in our life growing because we're building a growing relationship with God. And I hear this phrase a lot. Pastor Jeremy, I just don't know what to do. I'm so confused on what to do in this situation. And my first question is always this, have you prayed about it? I mean, you may not get the direct answer or solution from God right there in that moment, but have you at least prayed to God to have a clear perspective so that you can make the right decision? The decision he would like for you to make. Seeking godly wisdom declutters our mind. It gives us clarity that we need to make the right choice while also giving us peace, peace that we made the right decision. That leads us to our last film for the weekend. Godly wisdom leads me to peace, leads me to peace. James chapter 3, verse 17. But the wisdom from above is, first of all, pure. It is also peace-loving, talking about wisdom from above, gentle at all times, it's willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. True godly wisdom flows from Jesus. 
Think about it. Some of the wisest men in all the world, or at least they represented some of the wisest men in all the world at the time, were the Magi that visited Jesus after he was born. They're part of our, our nativity scene now at Christmas time that we now call the wise men. But I want you to picture this moment. Jesus is peace. And now peace is born. These wise men were drawn to him. They were compelled to seek after him. This is the perfect image. If you think about it, this is the perfect image of the wisdom of man being drawn to, being surrendered to, being submitted to, and now bowing down to the wisdom of God. The wisdom of man bowing down to the wisdom of God. No matter how smart we think we are, no matter how much we think we've got it figured out on our own, no matter how much we think we can do on our own, the wisdom of Jesus will put us on our knees in complete surrender to him. When we pursue Jesus, when we pursue the wisdom of Jesus, we can have peace in our lives because he is peace. Think about Jesus on the boat with his disciples when he calmed the storm. The disciples were fighting the storm while Jesus was sleeping through it. <laughs> he was at perfect peace. The disciples were at perfect pandemonium. <laughs> it's because the wisdom of Jesus knew something they didn't, or at least they couldn't see it. John 16, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Because I have overcome the world. Godly wisdom leads me to peace. Why? Because I can be confident that his wisdom is guiding my actions. It's guiding my thoughts. Godly wisdom will guide my tongue. It's guiding my decision-making in how I lead my family. It's guiding my decision-making in how I lead my finances and my relationships. And that I'm including Jesus for how I plan for my future. James also says this in chapter 3, verse 13. If you are wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from where? Wisdom. I think we could all use a little more peace in our lives, don't you? Especially the times we're living in right now. I've asked Eli to come up and play as I close. We're going to be taking communion in just a minute if you want to get your elements ready. But maybe you've been listening over the last several minutes and you realize that the one, <laughs> I was thinking about this, the one who didn't respond well, the one who had the wrong perspective, the one who did not pursue godly wisdom, and now because of that you have no peace, is you. Because it's easy to hear messages like this and hear stories like this. And you're thinking about what they said to me, what they did to me, how they treated me, how I was abused and what other people did towards me. But maybe that person is you. You responded by saying something that you shouldn't have. You responded in a way that caused tension or division in a relationship that you have. And now it's awkward. You haven't spoken to that person in a while. There's animosity between the two of you. I've mentioned this before. I read a book years ago titled Ask It. And if you remember, I talked about it goes through multiple chapters, not giving the question 
that it asks. And so you're left on the end of every chapter saying, what is this question? What is this question? And finally, the author gets to it and he says, if, you, if we would ask ourselves this question, it would save us so much heartache and turmoil in our lives. And it's this, what's the wise thing to do? Maybe not what's the right thing to do, but what's the wise thing to do? What's the wise way for me to respond? What's the wise way to see this issue? What's the wise way to pursue peace with this person? What's the wise way to pursue peace with me? The book of Proverbs is filled with dozens of amazing wisdom sayings that you can apply directly to your life right now. No matter the topic, you name the topic, you'll find it in there. My challenge for all of us today is, I just want to encourage all of us to dive into the book of Proverbs beginning this week. Read through those wisdom scriptures. There are 31 chapters. You can read, it, read a chapter a day. You can, be, you can be through it in 31 days. The impact of these wisdom sayings, if you apply them to your life, is priceless. I want to challenge you to begin reading, begin taking notice of the subtle pauses that you take throughout the day when you read a chapter and you read a lot of wisdom sayings in there. When you come across different choices that you have to make throughout the day, you'll be amazed at how the Holy Spirit will bring a wisdom saying to your life and the pauses that you'll make throughout your day to say, well, that's not the right choice. I should say this instead of that. I should do this instead of that. I should go here instead of there. Before you think that, before you say that, before you do that, before you post that, <laughs> seek godly wisdom. Be wise like Jesus. Go ahead and take your elements. Peel the top part of that off first, the wafer. Those of you that may be new with us uh, this morning, we take communion the first Sunday of every month. So you came on a good Sunday. This is your first Sunday. These are times we just want to pause and reflect and remember what Christ did for us all those years ago. So if you will take that wafer in your hand. Wafer represents the broken body of Christ for our sin. You know what? Let, let me, do, yeah, if you didn't receive a communion element, just raise your hand real quick. Lynn, if you could, Tommy needs one here. If you didn't get one, you want to participate, just lift your hand up real quick. We'll wait, no problem. Everybody get one? Okay. The wafer represents the broken body of Jesus, broken for our sin. Let's thank God for the broken body of Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing your body to be broken for our sin. Thank you, Lord, that no one forced you to do this. You volunteered. You allowed yourself. Lord, you came with a purpose. You fulfilled your mission. You fulfilled the purpose for which you came, which is to die for our sins, Lord, and ultimately being resurrected for our relationship with you. Thank you, Jesus. We take this in remembrance of what you allowed to be done to you all those years ago. We bless you for it, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's eat. Turn that over and get to the juice part. 
Juice represents the spilled blood of Jesus. Let's thank Jesus for that. Jesus, thank you for allowing your blood to spill out for the permanent sacrifice for my sin, the once and for all sacrifice for all of us, past, present, and future. Lord, no more do we have to bring sacrifices in because you were that perfect sacrifice. You allowed your perfect, sinless blood to spill out for our sin. We accept that this morning. We thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus, for your spilled blood, for paying a debt that we could not pay. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for today. Lord, I pray that as we separate, we go our separate ways, Lord, that you'll watch over us, you'll protect us, you'll keep us safe, Lord, bring us back next week ready to serve you and worship you. And Lord, during this week, Lord, I pray that you will, uh, uh, Lord, just compel us to the book of Proverbs so that we can begin reading those chapters, reading those wisdom sayings, and just digesting it, Lord, and let, letting it become part of our lives. Lord, that before we say that, before we do that, before we respond in a way, Lord, that doesn't glorify or honor you, Lord, I pray that we will take these wisdom sayings. Lord, we will take a breath and we will respond with the wisdom of you. Help us grow in our wisdom of you, Lord. The only way that we do that is we grow in our relationship with you. As we get closer to you and as we learn more about you and your ways, Lord Jesus, we gain in wisdom and knowledge of you. And I bless you for that this morning. Lord, I pray that that as we grow in wisdom, Lord, we'll just continue to do the wise thing. We'll ask ourselves, what's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to say? What's the, how's the, what's the wise way to respond to this issue, this decision? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this church. Thank you for this unity. Thank you for this fa faith family. Lord, I love what you're doing in, in our hearts, in us, and through us. God, and I just pray that you'll continue to do your good work. I pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let me close with this scripture. Colossians chapter four, verses five and six. Do we have that up there? Live wisely among those who are not believers. You're going to come across a lot of those this week. It's not us against them. It's living with people who don't believe. And make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. All right. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Don't forget all the announcements. If you came prepared to give this morning, we want to say thank you for that. You can drop your gift into the box on your way out the door. And don't forget everything else that's happening this week. We love you guys. Uh, stay up to date with our app and with our website. If you want to get baptized, go to the link, sign up. We'll see you next Sunday. Have a great week. We love you guys.